Hey guys, it's Allie. Welcome back to Infertile AF the Podcast. This is episode 104 called Kimberly and Mark. I'm so thrilled to tell you guys about today's sponsor, Extend Fertility. Extend Fertility was founded on the premise that democratizing egg freezing could ultimately change the fertility industry and deliver better results. Their co-founder, Dr. Joshua Klein, was actually my doctor. And as you may have heard me say when I interviewed him in episode 36 of this podcast, he's brilliant and supportive and overall awesome. Dr. Klein observed that IVF's success rate was low for women over 40, and its high cost was disappointing for doctors and patients alike. Dr. Klein saw the opportunity to help women think more proactively about their fertility. He believed that if more women could access their younger eggs during the IVF process, more women would see successful outcomes. He founded Extend Fertility, which began offering egg freezing at 40% below the national average cost. By 2017, they were the largest egg freezing practice in the nation, and today, they've expanded to offer a full range of infertility services, including IVF in a small practice environment that is more personal, higher quality, and data-driven. To make an appointment or to see more, go to extendfertility.com and tell them Infertile AF sent you. Thanks, Extend. All right, guys, I'm so excited about my guests today. We have a couple on today. We have Kimberly and Mark, who, if you are on the gram, you might know as Bombproof Family. They are so great. Kimberly is a teacher. Mark is a fireman, and he's on the bomb squad, hence their family name and their brand name, Bombproof Family, because they have been through a lot of shit, and they've come out the other side stronger for it. So we're going to talk about everything that they have gone through with their fertility journey including pregnancy loss, including IVF, including unexplained infertility, and including the book that they've written, which is awesome, and it's a children's book called Whirlwinds to Rainbow. I'm going to link it in my bio on Instagram, so you can check it out there. But they're just really cool, and I love the fact that they were both on the call so we could get her perspective, his perspective as well. So without further ado... This is Kimberly and Mark's infertility story. Kimberly and Mark, what's up, guys? I'm so excited to have a couple on the show. We haven't done this yet before. Thanks for having us. Yeah. Tell me how you guys met. We met at Starbucks. We actually met online, match.com. Uh-huh. Yeah. But we met before it was cool to be online and meet people. It was, I don't know, I guess we kind of still thought it was weird and everybody else kind of yes. thought it was weird, which is funny because her mom, you want to take it from here? Yeah, my mom and my <laughs> stepdad met through a dating service, but where you had to go in and physically look at pictures and binders and <gasps> all of that. Cool. And then film your VHS tape of, hey, I'm so-and-so. Oh my God, like a Betamax tape. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Laser so disc. Long- yeah. I'm from Long Beach and moved to San Diego after school. And yeah, so didn't really know that many people besides teachers mm-hmm. and just got on match. And he was my very first date. And Ooh, did you guys later. know right away? Yes. <laughs> you did? <laughs> I, did. I mean, okay. 
Uh, for disclaimer, I was her first date, but I wasn't her last okay, date. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I had one set up the next night that he will not let me live down. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which is awesome because I'm like, really? I thought we had a good time. And she's like, well, I have a dinner date with this guy. And I said, well, okay. And she and she literally says, well, girls got to eat. <laughs> I love it. And you're, I'm sure you were thinking about Mark the whole time on that second date, Absolutely. the other date, right? Yeah, Absolutely. of course. Of course. <laughs> Okay. So I want to say also to anybody who's listening, you guys are bombproof family is your Instagram handle, which I love. And I want to talk about why you called it that in a few minutes, but just moving on with your story. So when did you guys get married and how did you know that you were, you know, that was going to be it? We um, got engaged, both turned 30 and got married in 2012. Okay. Big year for us. Mm -hmm. Yes, it was. Yeah. No, I, I remember when we met, we kind of discussed having a family and things like that a little bit, but she always kind of was an advocate for traveling the world and not having kids. And then obviously as time progressed, that kind of evolved into maybe seeing the world a little bit differently and, and wanting to have a family. And um, it was kind of cool. It was a cool process to be a part of and especially watch the, the evolution. Uh, it, was, it felt good for me because it was kind of a little bit reaffirming in regard to her not really wanting that and then us being together and maybe me having a, an, an impact on that. It was kind mm-hmm. of like a validating, validating factor, I guess you could say about, hey, maybe I might be decent with kids. You know, so. <laughs> yes. So had you guys kind of always agreed that you wanted the same things in terms of a family? At the beginning, I, I mean, I'm a teacher and I'm an only child too. And so I've just never had the, not desire, but just inkling to have kids because I have my own every single day Mm. and childbirth just scared me and all that stuff. And I I will agree I'm selfish and I like to sleep in (laughs) and I love to travel. So, but I mean, after being with him a couple of years, I realized that, you know, he does want kids. He said that from the beginning and I could absolutely see him as the father of my children. Mm-hmm. It was a no brainer then, but at the beginning it was like, Nope, I'm stuck in my ways. And, and for me, I, I grew up in, I was born and raised in, in South San Diego. I mean, literally probably a mile from the international border. And we, not to say that I, I grew up in the hood or anything like that, but it most certainly wasn't <laughs> the uh, hills of Beverly Hills. Uh, so <laughs> okay. I, I never really, contemplated traveling the world because it just wasn't something that was really in the cards. It wasn't something that we really did or discussed when I was young. And I was very fortunate to achieve my my dream profession of becoming a firefighter, which opened the door to kind of have the option of doing that. And then when I met her, we started actually traveling the world. And I thought, man, like I can get used to this, you know? So the, the, the prospect of having kids was one of those things that sounded cool and I, and I always wanted it. But, you know, after meeting her, I thought, well, you know, if, if we have kids, that that would be really great. But this life isn't so bad either. So it kind mm-hmm. of it wasn't necessarily this black and white decision where we we're like, oh, yeah, for sure. We're going to have kids until kind of, I don't know, a couple of years into it. Yeah. Right. OK, so let's talk about when you guys started to try. I know there were some obstacles and some angel babies before you had your son. So can you guys tell me about what happened when you finally decided, like, let's do this. Let's let's try to have babies. Yeah. So 2012, we got married. 2013, I mean, we just kept traveling. That's when we started to really think about it. The majority of our friends had already at least had one kid and they had zero problems. So we're like, okay, we'll just travel. And, you know, when we're done with our traveling this year, we'll try. It just took a little bit, took like a year and then got pregnant in March and, you know, you're so excited. You see the pregnancy test. You 
have not a doubt in the world that anything is going to happen. And then it does. Mm -hmm. So just, it was crazy. And then how far along were you when you had the first time I was like seven weeks. Okay. Yeah. that's And it was, you know, passed naturally. Sorry, TMI, but no, there's no TMI on this show at all. We're here for the TMI. Yeah, I passed out. The MI or the I. (laughs) (laughs) I was actually teaching when it started and I, you know, got really bad cramps. And I was a kindergarten teacher at the time. So those are my babies. And it's just, you know, how do I wait till the end of the day? And then teacher guilt, you feel guilty. I also had a staff meeting. And so it was like, I didn't want to miss that. And right. So you're like in school thinking, I think I'm having a miscarriage right now. Something was not right for sure. I didn't think it was a miscarriage just because you don't ever want to think that. But I mean, the amount of blood, not, it, it was not okay. And yeah. of course, Mark was working that day too. So one of my colleagues drove us, drove me to the hospital and then he met me at the hospital and, you know, they confirmed it. And then I'm just, I don't know, I guess, because I am a selfish person or not selfish. Yeah, selfish. <laughs> um, and an only child, I just kind of deal with things on my own. Uh huh. So that time Mark had said, you know, like, I'm going to take the rest of the shift off. And I'm just kind of like, no, I'm good. I'm just going to go sit on the couch, you know, be by myself, deal with this. And that's just how I heal. But I didn't realize, like, he also needs healing time, too. Right. And that's what it like kicked in the next morning when I woke up and I was like, OK, let's, you know, try again. Let's do this. And he comes home. And he's hasn't even pretty much grieved yet because he's at work all night. Right. So, yeah, yeah. for me, it was, I I don't know, I I guess not to get too deep in the weeds about what I do, but I just, uh, by virtue of my profession, it's kind of one of the things we talk about as as a first responder or firefighter or or anybody that deals with this is you kind of, you develop this like invisible barrier that you kind of have to just put up because if you deal with human tragedy all the time and, and if, if everybody's devastating day kind of just flattened you, then you, I mean, you wouldn't be able to do this for more than five years, you know? So Mm -hmm. you kind of end up getting numb to certain things. Mm -hmm. And I kind of found that in, when it happened, I just kind of was able to tell my brain as much as I didn't want to that, Hey, you know, well, it is what it is. Move on. Cause I mean, you just, you don't, you can't be afforded the, (laughs) the devastation every single time because you you wouldn't be able to function as a person. So I kind Mm -hmm. of found that I was super bummed. <laughs> it actually wasn't until I was, I had a couple of drinks the next time I went, I was drinking that I realized like, Oh man, I definitely have some, uh, unresolved issues here. But, um, yes, um, that was, that's so perfectly described how you said it. Like, I love the term that it, it would flatten you. Like that's such a great term. So d- once you had the drinks where you, did you start to cry and it all came out or I just, not a I, I, don't know, I just, I was just really angry at the world. You know, I, um, I was one of the youngest guys in my fire Academy to get hired. So like Kim was saying, the people I was around were older than me. So we watched them all have kids and mm-hmm. none of them had problems. So it was just one of those things where like, okay, well we're pregnant now. We're not going to have any problems. This is easy, you know? And or the, they didn't talk about it, right. which is very common. And so the fact that it, like, you know, oh, I, I watched eight of my really good buddies all have kids with no problems. And then now, like, oh, great. The the, the shit balloon just happened to fall right on our heads. Like, you know, it's like, you know, why? You know, why, why is this happening to us? You know, Completely. We've, we've tried to live a good life. We've tried to do the right things, all the prenatal care. Like, we're doing it all. Why, yes. why? why is this happening to us? You know? And yes. 
it was more of an anger thing, obviously mixed with, you know, depression, but like, you know, it was just, the first one was, I would say the easiest to cope with it progressively got worse. Okay. So tell me about the second one or what happened next. Second one, we, you know, book trips and try to get our mind off of it. And about a year later, again, in March, I swear that's our fertile month, Mm -hmm. got pregnant again and lost this one. This, this second miscarriage was the absolute physically and oh my God, just the absolute worst for me. Mm, Um, So sorry. What happened? It was, it was probably a week later than the first one. So I was a little bit further along. And again, it was still too early to go to the doctors and hear the heartbeat, but just it, I had light spotting, which is very common, but again, any spotting to me just, you know, triggered me and was just very scary. Mm-hmm. Then at night in the middle of the night, I woke up and I felt like I had to poop like labor, like, you know, when you mm. go into labor, you have to poop. So I felt that way. And then, so I, I go to the bathroom immediately. I'm sitting on the toilet and I have the worst cramps and they're so bad and I'm in so much pain. I can't speak. And I start throwing up. Oof. So, and Mark was luckily home. I don't know what would have happened if he wasn't home, but he was home. But when your firefighter husband is home and safe at home, they sleep through anything because they don't really sleep at the station. Right. So I, and I really couldn't even speak. I was in so much pain. I eventually like crawled to our bed and was banging on the bottom of the bed to wake him up. He eventually woke up, realized something was wrong, carried me to our our car, drove as fast as he could to the hospital. It was just the worst pain I had ever been in. And there was no answer why. I don't know if it's because I was further along, if there were multiples. I mean, I, we don't know. How far along were you with that one? I was about eight weeks. Okay. Oh God. And it was just, and that one was, they could tell I was miscarrying, but it wasn't all out. Okay. And so my mind, and this is kind of kind of weird, but again, I was a kindergarten teacher and we had a field trip oh, yeah. to SeaWorld the next day. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, well, I'm not going to sit at home and cry about it. There's nothing I can do. I'm going to go to work. Again, we got out of the hospital at 5.30 a.m., didn't sleep. Yeah, I pled with her. I said, hey, listen, we've been up all night. You've been we're obviously not only the physical trauma, but just everything else that goes along with it. Maybe maybe we should sit this one out. And she was like, no, I am not not going to work today. Like these Aww. are the babies I have left on this planet. I'm taking yeah. them, I'm taking them to the park. I'm like, <laughs> and I mean, it's teacher guild again. It's not like I had to write a sub plan, but I didn't want a complete stranger with my babies at SeaWorld. I mean, right. I couldn't fathom that. So I get it. I get it. So Mark, what was it like for you seeing Kimberly in that kind of pain? It was, so I, I don't even know if this is a thing, but maybe I'll coin the term. So first responder or firefighter guilt, right? I, my entire career and profession is based on helping strangers. And the fact that I was watching my wife go through what she was going through and there was absolutely nothing I could do about it was, was crippling. It was even to this, to this day, it, it just, it kind of shakes me to the core because it's just like, you know, and, and I know every single family and every single relationship is structured differently, but our relationship is like, Hey, like, you know, we're, we run this house, but it is my job as the dad and the husband to protect us. Like that's mm-hmm. what, you know, and that's the kind of the agreement that 
that Kim and I have. And, and the mm-hmm. fact that like, I was, I was powerless. I was powerless to watch, to just watch this happen. Like watching it happen was, it was terrible. And um, yeah. I usually, I don't know, I'm not, I'm an emotional person, but when it comes to like, you know, like displays of emotion, I'm generally a little more reserved. And I just remember this was the first time where I, I was like, okay, I got to keep it together. I got to do all the stuff I need to do. And like, I need to be here for her. Cause that's, that's the only service that I can provide right now. And, uh, I remember I stepped out of the room and it was God, I don't know, three 30, four in the morning. And I called my father-in-law just to tell, you know, her mom and, and stuff. I was like, mm-hmm. Hey, we're at the ER right now. And as soon as I said, we lost a baby. As soon as I said lost, I could hear my voice start to just break. And oh. I, I kind of just like, I was leaning against the wall and I just crumbled. I, I just kind of crumbled to my, like, you know, to a squatting position and just hung my head, you know, like, yep my father-in-law hey we we lost the baby and oh yeah just saying it out loud i just got the chills when you said that too yeah it was uh it was brutal it, it yeah. sucked <laughs> uh much different than the first one i don't I, I don't obviously maybe it was just because of the the nature in which she was lo- losing it this time like the pain and the the agony and, and all of it kind of coupled together it was just it was exponentially worse and uh and we weren't one in four anymore we were a hundred percent at that point yeah yeah That's, exactly so uh, right. anyway, yeah, it was, uh, it was Oof. brutal. It was absolutely brutal. And yeah. uh, but then I, I, as soon as I hung up, I was like, all right, get your shit together. You've got a wife who's writhing in pain, who just also lost our baby in the room. And, you know, so I just, I kind of shook it off and went back in and then mm-hmm. that's, we went through it all. And that's exactly when we get back to, I were in the pharmacy, like, you know, cause they obviously give her like the post mm-hmm. post lost prescriptions and stuff. And I was saying like, dude, you got to stay home. Like, this is, this is super gnarly. <laughs> right. <laughs> exactly. Hospital, you know, 40 minutes ago and you got to go to work. She's like, no, I'm not, not going. And then, you know, when she explained it, I understood. So. Right. Oh my gosh. Okay. So then I know you guys, you know, spent time after that going to doctors and trying to get answers. And what did that look like for you? Like, did you, did you go see an RE or REI or like a special, you know, like what was next? We um, got new insurance and that kind of triggered, there was a, we had Kaiser. So there's a fertility clinic and I immediately luckily was able to see them. They did eight vials of, or sorry, 18 vials of blood. Mm-hmm. And that was in January of 2016. And they, the one thing that they found was that I was pre-diabetic. So uh-huh. and that kind of led into a lot of things. I was, I started working out, eating healthy, all this stuff. Three months later, I got tested and it dropped yeah. a point, not even a point, like 0.01. And so I was defeated yet again. Couldn't oh, even yeah. get my health in order. But then a week later, I found out I was pregnant again in March, our third March pregnancy. Wow. <laughs> so there is a, there is a contributing factor there. So after the second one, we, after a long talk and discussion about life and all the stuff that we'd been through, we both came to the conclusion of, well, forgive the term, but we were like, fuck it. We're done. Like, we're just going to, we're just going to start traveling again. That's yeah. exactly what we did, you know? And, and it's, I don't know, I, I, as, as cliche and absolutely infuriating it is to, to kind of talk about that, that ideology of, well, when, you know, when you just stop trying, that's when it happens. Like, but that's exactly what happened, you know? And it right. was like, 
I hate to confirm that because it's just so annoying, but yeah. that's exactly what happened. You know, like and, as long as you don't say that to anybody else, <laughs> you yeah. know, like yeah. people that are trying, it is hard. Yeah, to right. Exactly. <laughs> but if that's, that's what, if that's what like, happened for you. Parents, yeah. Yeah. My parents are like, Oh, why don't you just stop trying? Like, yeah, thanks dad. That's, that's, that's great scientific uh, advice there. Yeah. You know, right. Yeah. Totally. Totally. Okay. So pregnancy number three, what was going on with the diabetes at that point? So they just, I mean, I eat very awful. I was, I was like, this isn't a shock. And then, so the reason why I barely dropped was because I was pregnant, but didn't know. And when oh. you are pregnant, your body becomes insulin resistant. Gotcha. So with that, and that baby was our son, Logan. So he yes. stuck, everything was great. Everything was wonderful. They immediately put me on insulin for the pregnancy. And then, you know, all was good. We had him in December. Mm-hmm. Oh, he's just amazing. Right. Uh, so he's four now. Form, yeah. True yes. to form. You know, he, he was supposed to be a regular delivery, but of course in the Morrison know, fashion. Yeah. In the, <laughs> in the late hours, he uh, decided not to come out. So emergency C-section and turned yeah. out he, was, he didn't flip. He was sunny side up. So yeah. Oh, wow. Cone head. So it was on brand for the Morrison family that you had some sort of yeah. another <laughs> medical. <laughs> yeah. We're just kind of a shit show here. Right in. Morrison, huh? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's just backtrack a little bit. How did it feel to finally have that positive pregnancy test? And then as things were moving in the right direction, you know, we do a lot of talking at Fertility Rally, which is the company I co-founded um, about pregnancy after infertility, because you're not out of the woods, you know, and especially having gone through losses, we know how hard it is. You know, for me, I had four miscarriages before I had my second kid. And it was like the PTSD is still there. Like when you're talking about Mark, when you just said you crumbled to the floor talking to your father-in-law, like I felt that, like I was right back there with you. I don't think that ever really goes away. So Kim, how did you deal with like the anxiety that comes often with pregnancy after loss or infertility? I honestly don't know. I think I didn't use any pronouns once we found out, you know, it was a boy because it was just more real. Mm -hmm. And I just kept saying the baby. I don't think I ever really said I was pregnant, you know, because it's just scary. And it, uh, I don't know. It just, I never celebrated it. I didn't put anything on social media. I think the mm-hmm. only picture I put on social media was our baby shower. And that was six weeks before he was born. Yeah. Well, that's one of the things that she and I talked about is miscarriage is a thief. It's, it robs mm-hmm. you and, and steals the joy. And like you see young couples when they, they, they see that pregnancy test come up positive, everybody's super excited where as I, I'm sure you understand too. Mm-hmm. It's, when you see that test after all that you've been through, it's like, it's a deep sigh and it's like, all right, well, here we go. Here we you go know? again. Yeah. But yeah. Just, we're waiting. Yeah. You're, yeah. You're like really terrified as you are excited and it kind of cancels each other out. You know? Yeah. Yeah. It sucks. It's not fair. It's yeah, like, definitely you want to be all in, but you're protect, you have to protect your heart too. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And with me, I just, nothing. Luckily I went every two weeks for an ultrasound because of high risk and recurrent miscarriages Mm -hmm. over 35 and I was diabetic. So I got to see the heartbeat every two weeks, which was a bit reassuring, but you know, in between was crazy. And then I just kept saying, nothing's going to make me feel okay until I'm holding this healthy baby in my arms. Mm -hmm. And then it's a whole new set of mom worries. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Right. What were some of the new worries? I'm just, I mean, <laughs> you know, the classic, so hard for him. Yeah. The classic, uh, 
running in there. Just, uh, just want to see, make sure he's breathing. You know, like, totally. Like, you know, what do they say? Like you pray, you pray to God that they will just finally go to sleep, and then you hope to God that they uh, they wake up. You know? yeah. so it's, it's a. Oh, that's yeah, such a good way to put it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So then, were you guys? In the back of your minds, were you like, we want to have more or were you like, this is it? Or were you not even thinking that yet? Or like, where did you go mentally once Logan was a little bit older? I, since I am an only child, I definitely, you know, if we had one, I would like to have another just because I would love to see the siblings, how siblings interact and to give him a little buddy. I mean, he was so cool. He deserved one. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So yeah, we just, but right after Logan, I just to go back to my diabetes, I thought I was type two. So they put me on back on metformin after I had Logan Uh and I had about six months of him, you know, being here, I had lost. I'm, I mean, I'm normally, I'm small. I'm normally 120. I was like 85 pounds. Whoa. Yeah. And I just thought it was breastfeeding. I was like, wow. Like it really does just come off. Mm -hmm. Then I wasn't, I started to not feel good June, July, August. And I was like, okay, I need to go back to the doctors. Maybe I am type one. I don't know how they could test it, but if not, I just want to be put back on insulin. And then they confirmed I was type one. So just another obstacle in our journey. Mm -hmm. So what is the difference for people that might not know? And I don't know that much about it either. Can you give us kind of a, just a quick Summary um, of I'll like, let the medic talk about it. Yes, thank you. I'm, I'm hardly a medic. So type two is generally adult onset. Okay. So, and it's kind of a byproduct of, uh, I mean, unfortunately, not healthy nutri- uh, <laughs> nutritional choices and sure. lifestyle. And it just, uh, it, again, it's, it's more of an adult onset kind of thing. Whereas with type one, you actually have an issue where uh, your body is not producing the insulin necessary to process the food that you eat. So, you know, for instance, a lot of like kids, unfortunately, they'll have type one diabetes from, you know, the time they're little and, and you essentially have to give yourself a shot of insulin um, or have an insulin pump or something to help counteract the problems that you're having with your body, not producing enough. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, you generally will have, uh, was it a, uh, the, what's the pregnancy and, uh, Gestational, gestational diabetes, gestational diabetes, but then it usually your body will usually once the baby has been born, it'll kind of just resume normal operations. Whereas for whatever reason, with Kim, it never did. So now she has to get every morning and every time she before she eats, she has to literally give herself a shot of insulin. Yeah, which my pancreas completely sucks. stopped creating yeah. insulin. Okay. Yeah. So, I really thought my body had failed me. Miscarriages. Yeah. <laughs> what else? <laughs> right, exactly. So tell me about okay, there's a couple things. Bombproof family is your Instagram handle. Tell me about that. Well, I uh so I'm and also, your bombproof family dad, right, Mark? I am I am. So <laughs> and I'm um, gonna ask when, about your book in a second too. <laughs> oh yeah. So I obviously I work for the fire department, but um in the city that I work in, we also run the bomb squad. So I'm also on the bomb squad and a bomb technician. So, oh my God, that's so cool. Can we do like a Zoom call with my son sometime? <laughs> <laughs> so he can talk to you. Yeah, yeah we'll get it. We'll get the robot out. Yes, we'd love it. Yeah. Oh my so, God. Um, so, and it kind of just the, the term bomb proof in and of itself, it's, it's, it's also a, it's a fire department term. It's just something that you, it's a term that you use for anything that's, you know, basically indestructible. And, um, yep. During the, the great quarantine of 2020, it was just one of those, I had one of those aha moments right around Mother's Day where I I was just really grateful for the fact that 
while everybody else is, is locked in their houses or, you know, some people have nobody or, you know, some situations or in family dynamics or are a challenge. I come home from dealing with, you know, whatever society has to throw at us in the first responder realm. And I come home to a house that I'm genuinely happy to be at, you know, mm-hmm. my wife, my, my son, all of it. Like, it's just, I'm what a, what a, what a blessing, what a, what a treat to have this when I come home. I'm very lucky. And I just kind of started taking it all in and really reflecting on all of it, uh, the journey it took to get here. And and I just, I just wanted to do for mother's day. I wanted to do something that was more than just, you know, a card or dinner or whatever. I wanted to really kind of, I wanted to reiterate how important it was to, to really have that gratitude. And, um, so I wrote, uh, kind of like a poem okay. uh, thing on what, what our journey looked like for, for my wife. And it kind of, kind of developed into a, I was like, Hey, how rad would this be to do like a book? You know, how rad would this be to, for anybody else who, who struggles with words or really kind of expressing their feelings? How cool would it be to have this thing that they can take as their own? Cause you know, our, our story is not unique. That's kind of one of the cool things we've learned about joining this community is as horrible as it is, you know, we're, our situation isn't unique at all. It's, it's unfortunately, it's, it's this thing that's super common and how many, how many mothers and fathers out there are so just grateful and, and want to be able to reach out and tell the person they love how much they, they appreciate the fact that they were soldiers and they, they went through hell essentially. Right. They went through hell and carried on multiple times, you know, got knocked down, got back up, and took the responsibility necessary to to face down those demons. And yeah, I wanted to I wanted to commemorate that somehow. And that's yeah. kind of what our idea is. Our Had you ever are, written a book before, or like a poem, or anything, or was this just like? Oh God, no! I I <laughs> I, I, I want to say I barely graduated high school. So. <laughs> it was it's never, so uh, awesome. I love on the back. I'm looking at the back of the book right now, and we'll tell everybody where they can find it. But you wrote in part of the description says daddy watched as the woman he loves through unyielding resolve overcame the most ominous of storms to achieve our dream. Just so sweet. Kim, what did you think when he told you he was going to do this? I thought he was crazy. Uh, (laughs) As a teacher, I'm super excited because I've always thought of writing a book because I read so many of them. Right. So again, I was kind of jealous too, that he'd be an author. (laughs) Right. But I love that, you know, it was too our, like him talking to our son in the yeah. story, but it was about me, but it was also to so many others out there going through just ugh, the awfulness of infertility and, mm-hmm. you know, getting their rainbow baby or having the hope of getting their rainbow baby. And just, I, I was really, really proud of him. Yeah. yeah. That's kind of what the whole, the story uh, kind of is just a byproduct of what it is that we're trying to to convey is like, look, like when it comes to being a quote unquote bomb proof family, it's just a family. It's, we're not saying we're perfect. We're not saying we don't have our disagreements, fights, whatever, but it's like, just, especially now, I mean, as a family, our number one goal is to, to just carry on no matter what, you know, the yeah. bomb family is like, Hey, you know, we got knocked down multiple times, like worse than, I mean, miscarriage number two, you talk about really being knocked down, but you just gotta, you gotta keep driving forward. You gotta, totally. you gotta just, be indestructible. And that's kind of what the whole bomb proof family idea is, is centered around. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's so great. I love it. So tell me about when you guys started like in earnest for baby two. Logan was right around what he was coming up on two years old and we wanted to start trying again. Yeah. And, uh, Oh God. Yeah. That one was the worst. I mean, I guess just started off with, I thought we would be in the clear. 
So, you know, we had our baby, like the spell or whatever is broken. So again, we booked trips. We were like, you know, we'll, we'll do all this fun stuff because we know what it involves to have a newborn and all that. And then, so we get pregnant again. Yeah. And I don't, I I don't, I don't want to say we made the mistake because, you know, as a family, you need to you need to go through things together, but you know, it's still, it haunts me to this day. We told him that, Hey, you're going to be a big brother. And I don't know if you really comprehended what that means at two, but to some degree he did, you know, he was Once really, the he was really excited. He's like, I'm gonna be a big brother and all this stuff. And yeah. everything looked good. And like Kim said, the spell's broken. Like, you know, we've got this figured out. And then, and again, we got pregnant in March. Yeah. Oh my God. So wait, sorry, just to clarify (laughs) with Logan, you didn't have any like medical intervention, right? No. Okay. Gotcha. Um, Because I was diagnosed with type two or pre-diabetic, I was exercising insane. And that was the only difference with the first two miscarriages and Logan was that I was just incredibly healthy, I guess you can say, but not because I still had diabetes. Right. Okay. Yeah. But yeah, we didn't have, we didn't do IUI, we didn't do any, any intervention. Okay. So pregnant again in March, that is your lucky month, you guys. Oh my gosh. I guess you can say that. Yeah. <laughs> or, un- yeah. or you're, yeah. We're only intimate once a year. So. <laughs> right. So, very exciting. Yeah. We start Valentine's Day and yeah. we get one more right. month. <laughs> <laughs> no. So gosh. And then, yeah, we had a miscarriage. This one, there was no blood. We actually went to the appointment at seven weeks. Oh, to talk about Logan's appointment, we go, cause I was a, fer- I went to the fertility doctors. Mm-hmm. Let's rewind to Logan's pregnancy. Oh yeah, we have the backup to that. Um, that so cool. Mark was out of town for work and it, I got to go at six weeks. Okay. Um, so when you're pregnant with Logan, I was pregnant with Logan. Gotcha. So I got to go at six weeks. One of my friends came with me and there was nothing on the screen, mm. nothing, not even nothing. And so the doctor, you know, she's like, we're going to have you come back next week. I saw a tiny, tiny, tiny fuzz. I don't know why I was being hopeful, but I was. Yeah. And well, the other contributing factor too, is she told me later that the, the tech that was doing the ultrasound was like, Oh, good news. We're probably going to see something today. And I was like, Oh my God, why did you say that? And then yes. Oh God. Yeah. Nothing. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And then when a week later at seven weeks, Mark was with us. And we saw the baby. So again, it was just like a constant roller coaster. Yes. Like yeah. when is this going to happen? So that was good news. So, and, and this prefaces what the, this miscarriage, well, the, the downside and agony of this miscarriage. So we kind of went through the same thing. So we figured, okay, well, we knew that there was an issue before, so um, we should be in the clear and, you know, and if not, then the next time we'll probably be fine. So mm-hmm. anyway, we fast forward to when, she's pregnant the second time and her mom actually her mom and logan came with us to this appointment and sure enough they started to do the scan and there was no heartbeat oh "Oh my god you got to be kidding me like and of course i I don't know i can honestly say that i went into full denial i'm like well it's just because we're here too early we we're, we need to wait another week. You know, like it was anything yeah. that I could come up with, even though I'm in a room with somebody who's been doing this for 30 years, who knows what they're looking at, you know, right. but I was like, I'm all, no, it's, it's impossible. You know, like we just, it, it can't be, it, it can't be. Yeah. yeah I get and, that. Uh, but she, you know, she scanned around and she's like, you know, I'm, I'm really sorry, but it's just, you know, it's not viable. And it's it the worst. Absolutely yeah. devastating. And then that was bad enough. You know, you want to talk about 
a situation where silence is like the loudest thing ever that the entire car ride home, which was about half an hour was just deathly silent, you know, mm-hmm. cause everybody was thinking the same thing. Yeah. And, right. Uh, and then when we got home, I had to tell Logan, you know, you know, you're not, I'm sorry, son, you're not going to, you're not going to be a big brother just yet. You know, someday you will. And, you know, he didn't yeah. really understand, but you know, you could tell he was right. like at least a little bit affected, you know, not sure. super devastated, but you know, afterwards, that was another, another time where as, as a man, dad, husband, I was just, I was so just angry and sad. Like I remember I started, I, I just went out back and just like started working out. And like, I literally wanted to throw every weight through the floor. I was so upset, you know, like yeah. so just devastated, you know, like I, I didn't know how to cope, you know, the, how do you, and uh, that was rough. The second one or that one was bad. Uh, yeah. So sorry. So when was that guys? That was 2018. Okay. It was two. And then obviously, you know, you go back again in another week nothing there still. They gave me the, they gave me the options of the misoprostol to wait it out, which again, miscarriage number two, I was not waiting for anything. There was Mm -hmm. no way I could go through that pain again or a DNC. Mm -hmm. And I told that nurse, I would do a DNC if you can put me under. And she said, well, we, we don't do that. Like you have to be awake for it. And I said, okay, then I will do the pill because I just yeah. couldn't go to the DNC. So I did the pill. Oh my gosh, bled so much. I for sure thought it was gone that night. You know, got another checkup a couple of days later. There was still some remnants in there. Gave me another option to do another pill, which I said no, because if the first one didn't work, I'm not going to go through this again. Mm-hmm. So that nurse, I said, well, I would love to, not love, but I would like to do the DNC, but I'd really like to be put under. And she said, yeah, that's absolutely an option. So I had wow. wasted like a week and a half. Right. Oh, about, you know, oh gosh. So then right. anyways, we did the DNC and, I, you know, everything was cleared out. And mm-hmm. then we kept trying for another two years and, and nothing. The thing that kills me is the waiting. Mm-hmm. We always have to wait, whether it's the two week wait, I have miscarriages and I don't get my period back for almost six months. Yeah. So it's a half of year that- right just wasted in this infertility world that you're just, you know, you keep getting older and you, there's no totally. answers and it's, oh, it's just awful. So, yeah. And tell me about your secondary infertility experience as well. Cause did you have anybody being like, well, you have one kid. Why don't you just be happy with what you've had or saying anything like that? Cause I had people saying not many, but a couple of people, yeah. like, why are you trying? Why are you putting through, you know, putting yourself through this hell. And I was like, you don't get it. Like, it's not because I'm being greedy. It's because I love being a mom so much and I want to do it again. You know, like I was, it's hard to explain to people that don't, that aren't in it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, it's actually interesting. My, my parents, and the thing is I, I, I was initially really angry about it, but then I, after taking a little bit of time and, and looking at the situation, it, it's at least was coming from a place of trying to, you know, my dad said that exact thing, you know, like, Oh, well, you have one, you know, maybe that'll be good. And that, that, you know, maybe it's not to, all those, all the cliche things, but. Right. I and do, people mean and, well, of course. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and it's one of those things where it's like, no one really knows even what to say, you know I mean? And they're trying to say something cause they feel compelled to, cause you know, I mean, your parents, you know, they've always, they've always had something to say, you know, and I don't know, it, it was, it was a difficult thing. Cause you know, they would try to offer their, their support, but you know, 
a lot of times you just don't want to hear that, you know, mm-hmm. but it's, it's, it's interesting. Yeah. I just, I mean, he was two years old then and I just, nothing happened like nothing. And for me personally, I would way rather not get pregnant than get pregnant and have to deal with a miscarriage and more heartbreak and waiting and the pain and all that. Well, so. the other thing too is, uh, and I'm sure anybody who's listening to this or anybody who's experienced this can attest to uh, the, the most agonizing part of all of this is with the secondary infertility and even the, well, the secondary infertility sucked because it took us a while after the sec- that miscarriage to get pregnant. But even when we were trying to have Logan, we would go to these, these appointments, we'd do all these things. And the, the medical professionals are saying the absolute worst thing they could say, well, both of you seem fine. We have no idea why this isn't working. And it's like, right. well, God damn it. We'll figure it out. Cause this sucks. Like yeah. we're, this is our lives we're talking about. You got to tell us something. This is, totally. you know, like this is your job, figure it out. But there was always that, well, none of you see, neither one of you seem to have anything wrong. So, right. and that's almost worse. I'd rather know that there's something wrong. Completely. You know, and, yeah. yeah, completely. It's inf- you're like you're the professionals. Yeah, figure it out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, fix it. So, yeah, completely. Fix- no, I completely yeah. understand. So okay, so do, were you guys doing like round after round of IVF? So we actually the quarantine hit, and we're like, okay, we'll just you know see what happens. I'm definitely home more now. Uh-huh. Um, he's. I asked him not to work any overtime during this crazy time, just because you know you can get exposed to more. Right. cases and all of that stuff. So he was home more. And that's the thing too, is when you're trying to have a baby, you're obviously on a schedule. Doesn't work very well with the firefighter schedule. Right. Yeah. So we just kept trying. And eventually we had some like desert trips planned, you know, over the summer. Uh-huh. And I said, okay, after the summer in September, as long as our fertility doctors open, I would like to try IUI. Okay. And with me, I... I mean, nothing guarantees not having a miscarriage and it wasn't a problem of us getting pregnant per se, even though it kind of was with secondary infertility. Mm -hmm. It's just, we could do all this stuff and spend all this money, but what if we then again, have a miscarriage? Like I will then completely be done, especially with IVF, with everything that goes into IVF. Right. So I was like, let's just try IUI mentally. Cause I'm, I'm 38. I was like, I want to try as many IUIs as I can until they tell me no more. Uh And then I think I'm good. I think, you know, I'll probably be 40 by that time. And Uh I just, I was always worried about that stupid age gap Yeah, and I don't care anymore. You know, like now it is what it is. Totally. So in September we did our first round of IUI and I really thought this would work because he was not, I guess, diagnosed before Logan with having low motility sperm. Okay. And so I thought, okay, well, once those suckers are cleaned and, you know, ready and literally put right where they need to be. Right. They'll weed them out in the IUI. They like wash the sperm, right? Pick the best. Yeah. And physically put them right where they need to be. They just Mm -hmm. need to hop to their spot. (laughs) (laughs) For the record, I think my sperm are perfectly clean. I was going to say, Mark, is this uncomfortable that we're talking about you like you're not here? (laughs) Uh, no, no, I, me is fine. I'm like, nice to meet you. Let's talk about your sperm. Yeah, my, my sperm are innocent in this. <laughs> your sperm are badass. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Thank you. You hear that guys? <laughs> so I just, I immediately, you know, I totally thought we'd get pregnant. Not, not, you know, everyone does. You're very hopeful. It didn't happen. Mm. So I immediately called the fertility doctor to get that baseline appointment that you have to get on that specific day. 
and they were fully booked on the day that I needed to go in. So due to COVID restrictions, I was not able to go for October, which is fine. It's like, okay, let's just, again, try naturally. And I, I don't know, I guess just, I assumed we would get pregnant with IUI. Mm-hmm. So I kind of just skipped over thinking about it as much in October and was just ready for November. Mm-hmm. Well, then November 11th, we get a positive pregnancy test. Wow. Not March, guys. You went off schedule. I know. I know. I'm like, this one has a chance. <laughs> <laughs> and again, there, there's zero excitement from me. It's just terror. It's fear. It's a waiting game. It's I'm kind of mad at Mark for putting me in the situation again. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's it sucks. It's not a good experience. So, mm-hmm. but then at probably about six weeks, I started feeling sick, which, you know, like morning sickness sick, mm-hmm. which was great, but I never had it with Logan. Mm. I was like, okay, it's either, you know, a girl or I'm also four years older. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's it, whatever. Right. Um, and then... I know. I just felt like I had all the symptoms and I was a little bit more hopeful about this. And Mm -hmm. we went to the seven week appointment. Well, I went to the seven week appointment because as you know, COVID, they they can't go in with us. Which sucks. Bullshit. Yeah. 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 It's awful. So he waited outside and luckily we got a FaceTime and I didn't see the baby yet or see anything. And I FaceTimed him because the doctor is like, would you want to FaceTime? And I'm like, well, no, I want to see the baby first. (laughs) And she's like, just FaceTime. Yeah. So. (laughs) Oh yeah. So she's, you know, she starts doing her thing and, you know, I, I'm looking at this screen, like this snowy white screen that I don't understand. I'm like, Mm -hmm. okay. You know, we're, we're holding our breath. Cause when she FaceTimed me, I was like, Oh, she wouldn't FaceTime me if it was bad news. Awesome. So, you know, I, I answer thinking, Oh, it's all good. And she's all, we haven't started yet. I just figured I'd bring you in. I'm like, Oh God damn it. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. So now I'm like immediately back to like, all freaking apprehensive. And I'm like, you know, so it, it starts and, you know, she's moving the wand around or whatever it is that, that Wanda. Oh, yeah. Yes. And, um, like she's moving around, like, you know, I'm holding my breath, both of us, I'm assuming are holding our breath. And then she like, w- she goes by like this big blob and she's all, Oh wow. Your bladder is so full right now. <laughs> and I'm thinking, God damn it. Can we keep the chit chat to a minimum? Just tell exactly. my kids. Exactly. <laughs> so anyway, um, but no, sure enough, all of a sudden you just hear the, 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 I'm like, Oh my God, there it is. It's that, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's almost a tearjerker when you when you actually know that oh well something's alive in there. That's hundred percent. It's the yeah. best sound in the world. Yeah. Yes. That one stuck again, and uh-huh. so incredibly thankful, but again, terrified, taking it day by day. Of night course, by night. and you're high risk because of your recurrent miscarriage and your age and your diabetes, right? So, are you? Does that mean you're going in for more appointments and more ultrasounds and stuff? Yes. I go every two weeks Okay, and I just went yesterday for like the extra chromosome testing and all that stuff. And yes, everything's good. So and far. everything's good. Oh my yeah. God, you guys, this is awesome. I know it's, it's great. But again, we don't celebrate until, you know, right. Do you, when, when do you think you'll be able to kind of exhale? Honestly, uh, when she turns 21, <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm all for having a girl, is it a girl? Yes. Yeah. It's a girl. Oh. Okay. So I am super excited and he's, yeah, he's like, Oh, a teenage girl. That's uh, I am so excited. Funny. I'm just, I, I, I have a brother. Obviously I have a son. I never had a, a sisters or anything. So it's just a, a new, Aww. a new challenge, but I'm, I don't know. I'm really excited about it. It's, yes. Uh, it's going to be, it's gonna I be can't cool. wait to see him with the daughter.
right, guys. Thank you so much for listening to Kimberly and Mark's story. And Kimberly and Mark, thank you so much for sharing it with us. Definitely check them out, guys, on Instagram at Bombproof Family. Check out their book. And also, Fertility Rally Live is coming up April 17th. We would love for you guys to come and join us and see a full day virtual event of speakers, panelists, giveaways, tons of education and support for anybody going through infertility or building their modern families. Check out our new website, which is fertilityrally.com, and you can buy tickets through there. We would love for you to join us. All right. Thanks for listening, and I will talk to you guys next time.